0: i'm excited to be talking with dr lisa demore today she's the author of the book untangled and also under pressure i actually first heard of lisa from my friend claire who is our resident beauty expert here on selfie Um, claire is a good friend and neighbor we are both raising daughters and one day she walked a book over to my house (laughs) and said, you have to read this. And it was Lisa's book, Untangled. <laughs> you have to read this. <laughs> so um, I'm thrilled to talk with you about that book and your new book, Untangled. You know, one of the things that I really appreciated about um, your most recent book is that you talk a bit about how to have empathy for our kids when they're having big feelings without getting entangled into the details and perhaps... Um, some of the overblown feelings that they might have about a situation.
1: It's true, and you know, it's interesting. Um, in my, in general, I will defend teenagers to the hilt. I think people are not fair to teenagers. Yeah. I will always be like, no, 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 they're way better than anybody gives them credit for. Yeah. But there are some uniquely adolescent maneuvers, yes. and one of them is rather than telling you a feeling, telling you about it by making you have it.
0: You know, the communicating
1: the feeling by inspiring the feeling.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: rather than coming on and being like, I feel helpless. Yeah. What they do is they engage adults in a way that makes us feel
0: helpless. That's so true. It's and so, so then true. we're like,
1: I'm sure your teachers are fine or whatever. And, uh-huh. and that's, that's what I was getting at. Like, we're missing the point. So when you yes. say, oh, you feel despairing. You feel frustrated. Mm-hmm. You feel like you don't know how to fix this. Mm-hmm. That's actually the um, the kind of ninja move yes. that gets you empathizing with yeah. the actual feeling, even uh-huh. though the teenager doesn't necessarily have it in them, at least in that moment, to show up and say those words of like, yes. "I feel helpless in the face of all this frustration." They yes. just make you so frustrated. They just make parents frustrated. Oh, so, so that's cute. the that's the piece. Um, therapeutically in terms of how I understand the theory behind it yeah (laughs) what it reminds me of is that saying like you're only as happy as your least happy child I know isn't it so true it is so true and yet it's interesting because I've got two daughters Mm -hmm. and you know they're one 16 one's nine so we got a lot of feelings around here and um and I have a couple kind of takes on, on on what you read you know so one is um one of the first pieces I actually was the very first piece I wrote for the New York Times was about being a therapist and a parent. Yeah. Um, and what I wrote about is when I was, you know, just short of delivering my first daughter. So I was, you know, hugely pregnant. I was with a senior colleague of mine, and she was great. And I won't, I will use. Um, I will modify the swear word she used but she was like so do you want to hear how psychologists mess up their kids but she yeah. didn't say mess up their yes. kids and I was like <laughs> yes I do want to hear that because some of the most hamstrung kids I care for in my practice are the parents of at least one therapist and the worst two therapists oh right? my like so yeah so I was like what's the story and she said they talked to them about their feelings way too much and that to me made instant sense and Fortunately, in this, I was not raised by somebody who talked about feelings way too much. Uh-huh. You know, I, I came very much from, a, you know, like in clinical terminology, like strong on the like ego management side, like yes. get yourself together, pull yourself yes. together. So I was like, oh, okay, so I have that repertoire and I can just uh-huh. fall back on that repertoire. And so um, what she really, you know, helped me think through is that way in which, especially as a parent who's got a clinical background Mm -hmm. if your kid's upset you can be like oh you're having a big mad feeling do you want to talk about your big mad feeling or like I see Mm -hmm. I see how deeply upset you are we can go there and what they often need is okay now pull yourself together (laughs) (laughs) you gotta do your homework you know like you can do this and so I think there's that side of it of both being empathic And especially as a clinician, you know, Mm -hmm. we've got these muscles around really, you know, getting into the feelings Mm -hmm. and talking about the feelings and being curious about the feelings, um, but actually minimizing that at home Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the name of ego functioning which we use in a different way than everybody else uses ego. We use it to mean like, um, you know, self-management. Yes, uh, containment. Yeah, containment. Yeah. 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 So
0: that's one take on it. That is so funny. That's, yeah, I, I think that I have fallen prey to that of like, let's just, oh, you're having a feeling. Let's stop everything for the feelings well, as opposed to like, let's, let's
1: buckle up. Let's buckle up. I mean, I know, it's interesting because when I think about the kids I've cared for whose parents are clinicians, often like they get to me and I'm like you don't need more of what I've got, yeah. right? Like you understand your feelings inside and out. You are actually stopping everything uh, to have a feeling. Yes, I'm like, you need yes. military school. <laughs> like, you, know, <laughs> you, need, you need a place where they don't care about your feelings at all. They need you to function. And so, it's, so it, funny. It's, it's sort of striking that balance. And I'll tell you a funny story. I hope you don't mind. Like This is kind of turning into a potty mouse, um conversation. That, oh, it's not fine. Pot, not potty mouth, but like, you know, not totally G-rated. Um <laughs> So, I, um, I had been visiting with a colleague, um, and we got talking about dream cars, and he's, um, he, this guy's like 6'5. So he's a really tall guy. And he, um, he was saying his dream car was a Fiat Mini. Mm-hmm. And he finally, like, got all his kids out of the house, and he went to the dealership, and he chose his Fiat Mini. And then he has, asked his wife to come, like, see the car. And she said, he, she looked at the car, and she looked at him, and she goes, you're a grown-ass man. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, so I couldn't get the Mini, so I have like this SUV I hate. And I thought this was so funny. So I come home and I tell my daughters this story, you know, and they crack up at it. And then about maybe six weeks later, I had to drive somewhere where I'm not familiar with where I was going and I have a horrible sense of direction and I get really anxious about getting lost because I always get lost and it's um it's this metro health hospital system in Cleveland and it's in this like the windiest area uh, you could yeah. possibly try to go to and I was giving grand- grandstand there and I was like oh I gotta go down to metro today I don't want to go down the metro like this is when I wish I had a driver or maybe I'll take an uber like I can't I just I don't want to get lost and my nine-year-old goes mom You are a grown-ass woman. (laughs) Like, get yourself down to Metro. And so this has become our code for, like, okay, you've been upset long enough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and so we use this with each other. And what works also is that it's funny. And it's sort of this agreed-upon code. Yeah. And so I've been thinking so much around the, like, balance of let's talk about your sadness and these big feelings that are kind of weighing you down. And you're
0: a grown-ass woman. Yeah.
1: Now you need to do your homework.
0: Yes. And it yes. works. It really works. <laughs> we ha- It's so funny because we used to have a philosophy. Um, my ex is also a therapist, so my kids are, yeah, blessed <laughs> by that. But we used to have a philosophy that was called um between the two of us we called it i'm sorry you feel that way get your ass in the car yes, and so yes. that was we i will provide you empathy like i'm very sorry that you, you know, and it applies to anything but i think the the uh, the initiator was a kid didn't want to sit in a car seat so it's like yes i'm sorry i can acknowledge your feelings and now you're going to sit in the car and buckle yep. your seatbelt up <laughs>
1: yes so. i love that no that's that's beautiful and i think like that's exactly it i'm sorry you feel that way get your ass in the car and then, yeah. like and that, that's really um the mix we're going for. Yeah,
0: it is. It, it has to be. I mean, we want to give empathy to our kids um, and that's important. And, you know, I, I'm curious to hear this from you too. One of the things that I talked about in my book was this idea of, of empathy and like the way that I think, I have a concern that some parents are so keen on empathy and building self-esteem that They've also they've almost given them their kids like a false sense of entitlement about that self esteem. Does that make sense? So then the the empathy starts to lack because the parents are just like, no, you're amazing. I mean, if Susie thought that you did something wrong, she's stupid. Yeah. Or if your teacher thinks that this paper wasn't an A paper, then they don't even know how amazing you are. Like, have you seen that happening? Because I feel like I'm seeing this sort of like we've we've gone so full tilt on self esteem that we've raised kids who like think the world revolves around them.
1: I think that can be a real hazard. Um, so, with regard to self esteem. I, I had this extraordinary supervisor in my training who became a dear colleague, and um, and I always think of him when the topic of self esteem comes up because he was he was my supervisor when I had a case on um, I was it was I was at the adult clinic and I had a woman I was caring for who um, was an alcoholic and was getting fired a lot and was cheating on her lover
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and her self esteem was low.
0: Yeah,
1: and he was like, it should be. <laughs> And he yeah. said, he said, because, and this is the piece I've always held on to. He's like, people only feel good about themselves for the things they do well. Mm-hmm. That's the only source of self-esteem. And that, mm-hmm. like, that has really, for me, held up for 25 years, you know, in yeah. terms of, like, how to understand self-esteem. So when we think about self-esteem, part of it is, like, get your ass in the car, right? Yeah. That part of where self-esteem comes from is being a good kid and being a yeah. good sibling and working hard at school or helping out your neighbors, right? Like there's mm-hmm. no one can hand you self-esteem. You earn mm-hmm. it with your behavior mm-hmm. and no one can take it from you either. Cause that's the thing. Yeah. If someone can give it to you, that means they can take it away. That's really dangerous. So okay. So that's the self-esteem piece. Um, and what I think the dangerous message in the, well, then she doesn't know how wonderful you are, or that teacher doesn't know how smart you are. Mm-hmm. I think what kids hear is I'm fragile, mm-hmm. and you have to bend reality yes. to protect me from it. Yeah, because I can't handle the fact that maybe mm-hmm. that kid doesn't like me, right? Or maybe I haven't done the good work at school, right? And so intuitively, I mean, it's not like I'm a perfect mom. Like I'm really not a perfect oh, mom yeah. at all. But it's interesting because I, 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 I remember these moments where I'm like. Well, I think that was the right move. Um, but one of my kiddos, I don't remember which one, was complaining about um, classmates, which they do. I mean, this is like yeah. a totally like universal thing that kids do. And I finally said, well, you're probably not their cup of tea either. Yeah. <laughs> I remember whoever I said that to was a little bit surprised yeah. that I said that. And I'm like, I think that was a good move. Because yeah. you don't yeah. like everybody and not everybody likes you. Totally. What are you going to do? Yeah. And, and I think, But that also presumes, I don't think you're so fragile that you can't
0: hear me say this. Yeah, or that you can't look at yourself. Because I think think that's so important for every human being to be able to look at themselves, like to take a realistic appraisal of both strengths and weaknesses, you know? And when we can't kind of reflect that mirror back on our kids and go like, oh, it sounds like you guys had a big fight, but like, do you think maybe you had a part in it? or? You know, do you think it was the best move when when you started getting elevated, or you know, whatever it is for us to be able to, yeah, assume that they're not too fragile to look at their own part in things is yep. a big one. Feels yep. like.
1: And It's funny clinically because sometimes, you know, I'll have a teenager who's ranting about mm-hmm. something, and even in their rant, I can see like, oh, dude, you you kind of set this one up, right? Yeah. Like whatever you're upset about, and so I've started. I don't know when I started doing this, but I started saying to kids, you know, I have some thoughts and I'm not going to treat you like you're fragile. I'm going to give mm. them to you straight. Mm-hmm. And and it does two things at once. One is it helps them get ready because <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say something yeah. that's a little, a little bit on the nose. Yeah. But the other is I think it's actually me um, saying something like, I respect you. Yeah. And I respect yeah. that you can you've come to therapy because you want things to be different. And mm-hmm. the way we get there is you can, yeah. you don't have to be comfortable here all the time. Yeah. <laughs> if you're comfortable here all the time, I'm not getting what, you know, I'm not doing what
0: you came for. So true. Yeah, yeah, so true. Okay. Talk to me about your newest book because, you know, this one really looks at a lot of the pressures that are on yep. girls specifically. Um, talk to me about what you see as kind of some of the bigger pressures that are fracturing girls right now?
1: Sure. So um, let me actually contextualize it against Untangled, which is the book from 2016. So Untangled is a straight up look at normal development. It is just, this is adolescence. And my chapter titles work pretty well in terms of um, explaining what, you know, like the what's inside. So for Untangled the chapter titles are the seven tasks that I think all teenagers need to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And even though it's tipped towards girls, I hear all the time from parents like "Ah, 80% applied
0: to my son, you know, totally. which I'm not surprised I by. completely agree.
1: Yeah. So the chapter titles are, um, and these are the tasks. These are the tasks of adolescence. Mm-hmm. So parting with childhood, joining mm-hmm. a new tribe, harnessing emotions, contending with adult authority, planning for the future, entering the romantic world and caring for themselves. So it's mm-hmm. basically just a, like you do these yeah. things and you got to grown up on your hands. Yeah. And then it's sort of all of the um, texture of how these things unfold, all the weird stuff thing, all the weird things kids do that's actually in the name of these mm-hmm. developmental achievements. So that's Untangled. It's just mm-hmm. like normal, expectable development. Yeah. And then Under Pressure, which came out three years later, the subtitle is Confronting the Epidemic of Stress and Anxiety and yeah. Gross. So yeah. I'm sure you hear what I hear, which is the word stress and anxiety, even before the pandemic, were... Oh,
0: uh, out of control. All the time. All the yeah. time.
1: And I so mean, I my like, own
0: daughters deal with both of those.
1: Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, we got to figure yeah. this piece out. And I do, and we also see the data for girls that mm-hmm. they are disproportionately reporting mm-hmm. these symptoms. Boys mm-hmm. report other symptoms, but in terms of stress and in terms of anxiety, mm-hmm. girls are... Um, Ahead of boys, ahead, I guess is the way to Mm -hmm. put it, outpace boys. Um, And so what I did with that book is I tried to think through, like, let's take this and slice it into its component parts. So um, chapter one is just coming to terms with stress and anxiety. And Mm -hmm. it's just about what we know clinically, how these operate, you know, defining healthy versus unhealthy versions, you know, it's just kind of the groundwork of like, this this is the reality of stress and anxiety. And then chapter two is girls at home. Chapter three is girls among girls. Chapter four is girls among boys. Chapter five is girls at school, and then chapter six is girls in the culture. So I just tried to take every mm-hmm. layer of a girl's life and yeah. then um, look at the stresses and anxieties that come up in the context of that layer. Yeah. Um, and that that let me that gave me a structure. Yeah. To take this big messy thing of kids are stressed and girls are stressed, yeah. and to try to sort of. Um, find a way to think my way through it that Mm -hmm. was systematic.
0: Yeah, which I love. I I love the systematic (laughs) um, approach because I feel like it it, it does feel so overwhelming to look at, you know, girls and anxiety and to just kind of break it down and go like, okay, here's how we can address it in this sphere. And here's how we can address it in this sphere. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how you feel like the pandemic has either contributed to or pulled back on some of this stress and anxiety for girls. Fascinating. Yeah. It's totally fascinating. I mean, I hate it Mm
1: -hmm. from a, you know, what it's done to everyone's lives standpoint. And as a clinician, I'm sure it seemed like phenomenologically, like it's extraordinary to watch this unfold. Yeah. and Unfold meaning I've been presenting a lot. I mean, my presentation changes every 10 days. Right. It is so rapidly moving. Yeah.
0: We don't know how all of this is going to shake out for um, us psychologically and we, and we
1: don't have an end
0: date no we you don't
1: know, so that i think which is a yeah. big part of why it's so stressful is this. Yeah. I mean, if somebody said to you we're doing this till december 15th
0: you'd be like all right strap in I we know. can make it i know i think we don't even have that so i mean which I know is stressful don't. in and of itself that ambiguity hugely. is very stressful hugely yeah
1: um so mostly it has Completely amplified everybody's stress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in terms of psycho, you know, like psychopathology, in terms of concerns, mm-hmm. like everything's accelerated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only places where I've seen it um, cut kids a little slack mm-hmm. um, was at the end of the school year and you know, they they run run run, and they're so busy, and then they've got you know they've got kids with three APs, and mm-hmm. so there was a little grace at the end of the year for some kids where they were like, yeah. "This isn't so bad." You yeah. know, like I'm getting more sleep. Yeah, so that was like the little bright spot. Um, I think that may be really the only bright spot. I mean mm-hmm. my my sense of this as it's you know here we are today, you know this is going to be a different story in a month. My sense is. Um kids are really worn thin by it and adults are really worn thin yep. by it. Yep. And to the degree that under totally normal conditions, being a teenager is stressful and you need grownups around you who have some bandwidth and some mm-hmm. energy for getting oh you through gosh. it. Oh my gosh. Now we are not under normal conditions no. and the grownups are not in great Born shape. Worn thin, yeah. Worn thin. And I... I, I'm reluctant to say what I'm going to say next because I'm so much on the side of reassuring. I am like waking up in cold sweats at 3 a.m. about what the fall is going to look like. Me too. Because we will be too. three
0: months further or five, two yeah. months
1: further worn down, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like, no, I mean,
0: I think. Worn down and the numbers are going up everywhere. So it's everywhere. like, it's yep. it, It's and- going to be all of the fatigue and, and climbing numbers to what it even yep. is now. It's and then we're <laughs> going to try to yeah. throw
1: school back on top of that. I know. For a bunch of kids who never felt like they got a summer. No. Um, because they didn't do what they thought they were going to do this summer. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have super worn out teachers and super mm-hmm. worn out parents. Yeah. And um, and it's going to be really awkward at school, even yeah. if they get to go to school. I mean, yeah. I you know, the ideal is that they are physically in the building that's going to be better than not being in the building, but it's not going to be easy. Uh -uh. Um, So I spend all my time
0: thinking about late August. Me too. I do too. I honestly do. I I have sat and gone through every, like, available option in my mind because there's a part of me that's like, Should I pull my kids out and do a virtual school because I'm concerned that they're going to go and then come back and then go and come back? And, you know, and I'm also I'm really concerned about the new social dynamics for teens of going back to school in the midst of a pandemic where there's all of these rules and you're going to have some kids who follow the rules and you're going to have some kids who think it's dumb and then you're going to have some kids just like we're seeing with adults, who are flexing on the rules, who are saying, this is all stupid, you're, you know, and you, I mean, just imagine teen boys, like, you're a dumbass if you wear a mask, like, I'm already seeing that happening, and they're not even back in school. So I'm worried about what this new social experiment of, you know, asking teenagers who don't want to follow rules in general, and who generally also think that they're invincible, to then go and comply with all of these restrictions it feels really messy. It feels really messy. Um,
1: so here are the kinds of things I think about, right, so that you know, just this doesn't become a, a great, a great despair, you know, um, right, like, a great pit of despair, because I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't live there. You don't live there, and I know. You're on the helping side. So yeah. Okay, so here are the things I think about. Um, I really, 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 really insert fifty more reallys, Hope. That parents and teachers ease up on content. Yes. And I'll tell you why. Because I think yeah it's easy, first of all, to think. I mean, what I call it is like to use a manic defense, right? So, like, mm-hmm. and you saw this early on. Yeah. In the pandemic, people are like, I'm going to get in the best shape of my life and I'm going to oh, learn
0: yeah. languages and I'm going to read all of Proust, right? I mean, like, and you're like, Absolutely. settle down. It's a coping mechanism. Yep. I, like, I'm going to do so I don't have to yep. feel. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So what I'm worried is we're going to yeah. see Nick Defense, the sequel for the yes. fall. Yes. And it's like, well, give them more work. Give them more work. Okay. So mm-hmm. I think not only do I hope the work levels drop yeah, or the nature of how kids spend their time shifts mm-hmm. from traditional schooling to other, some combination of school plus other stuff. Um, I'm worried actually that there's going to be pressure to... Yeah,
0: pressure to up,
1: ratchet it up. To ratchet up. Um, and what I think we have to say, and it's hard for us to say, is this is a global crisis. Mm-hmm. The goal is to get kids through this psychologically intact. Yes. They are gonna need more contact, yeah. more connection, more yeah. support around how psychologically stressed they are. Mm-hmm. Loading them up with extra worksheets <sighs>
0: totally. is only
1: gonna piss them off. <laughs> yeah. And also make them feel like the grown-ups don't get it, yeah. which is actually going to push us away from connection and away mm-hmm. from them feeling calm. And guess who doesn't learn when they don't feel connected and calm? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> so, so I, that's one place I think, like, okay, yeah. so how, how could this go better? Yeah. What if schools and parents look at this developmentally mm-hmm. and appreciate this does not have to be the year where they learn the most? Right. This is probably not even going to be a year where they learn what they were going to learn anyway. Right. That has to be acceptable in the
0: name of mental health. I totally agree. I totally agree with you. I mean, I think, um, you know, and it's even true for myself. I mean, I've had to kind of lower my workload and I am not producing at, you know, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And it's like, we've got to give the kids the same grace. Like we really do.
1: I had this thought this morning I was like I feel like I'm running to stay in
0: place yeah it does feel like that
1: um, and so and I think everyone feels that way yeah. and then I think if we say to kids um, last year we did a half marathon this coming year we're doing a marathon mm-hmm. I think they're just gonna mm-hmm. have, want to have nothing to do with grown-ups which um, in my book I wish I'd written this up somewhere already I don't know that I'll, I don't know that it warrants like a whole column or anything but like when I think about like kids and safety and healthy development, I'm like totally correlated with the number or the degree of positive connections to adults. Oh, yeah. You know, that if, if kids are doing well, teenagers yeah. are doing well, they've got positive connections with adults, may or may not be their parents, you know, right. it's nice if it is. Right. And when kids are struggling or not doing well or not safe is yeah. that they don't have positive connections to yes. adults. And so like that's got to be the focus. I completely
0: agree. And I mean, I and I said this, I actually ended up writing an extra chapter for my book about parenting in a pandemic. But I said, like, I'm going to choose a positive connection with my child over a positive feeling from a teacher or a school admin. Like, Absolutely. and if that means I'm writing emails, and if I'm stepping in and setting boundaries and saying, we're not going to finish these five worksheets tonight, because we're having, you know, yeah a mental health day or whatever, like I do feel like we as parents need to protect our kids from that. And if, you know, and, and if that means we're the bad guy at school, then we're the bad guy at school, because it's just so much more important that our kid remains healthy and intact. Like in the middle of a pandemic, we don't need a meltdown over school. No, It's not
1: worth it. No. And, and what, what I think we're going to find so when we look, you know, we've got all this research over decades of um, kids under chronic stress conditions mm-hmm. and what helps mm-hmm. them get through. And because yeah. uh, we don't have a pandemic literature because like psychology was a baby field in the last pandemic. So we don't <laughs> have that. But we do have like a chronic yeah. stress literature. Yeah. And and one of the things that um, we see, and it's the two, it's like this interesting, it takes us right back to where we were about like, I'm sorry, you're upset, get your ass in the car. Yeah. Um, is that of the various things that help kids under chronic stress conditions, one is Having a good close connection with a grown-up, right? Mm-hmm. So what we're talking about, like you saying, you know what? Screw the worksheet. Like I'll call mm-hmm. the teacher. Like you're not doing that. Um, the other is doing things they feel meaningful as a grounds for self-esteem, right? So back yeah. to that. So um, there will be lots of days where their schoolwork mm-hmm. is what they feel good about. Yeah, it's also what distracts them from yeah. everything else going on, and distractions are going to be really important. They are important for all of us right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think. Um, what's hard to think about at scale, easier to think about in individual homes is always sort of like finding the happy balance between I'm going to push you to mm-hmm. do what you're supposed to do because you'll feel better and you also need to not be thinking about your feelings right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And oh, the feelings are winning the day. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't go, yes. you don't have to do those things. We're going to put you back together yeah. so you can go back to the meaningful work you were doing before. Yes. And to really um, help you know, those of us in the clinical roles help families realize, like, that's going to be the teeter-totter yeah. that they mm-hmm. are going to be on flow. for the duration of this pandemic. Yeah. And there's no, here's what's going to work, or here's the program for the next three months. Mm-hmm. It is going to be very moment-to-moment, day-to-day. Yeah. and. Yeah. Uh, that's, That's the best the way truth. we're going to get
0: through it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I will say one thing we have done as a family that I think has been helpful is that as we looked at class choice for next year, mm-hmm. we put off some of the harder classes. Right. Like, so my, you know, my son who's 15 needs to take a certain amount of math courses to graduate from high school. We're not going to take one next year. Not this year. Nope. nope. Makes tons this, of this sense. Won't be the year for sense. it. I don't care absolutely. if you're a senior in a sophomore math class. It in two matter. years like you know we're just not gonna like we've just kind of front loaded with electives things that make them feel you know productive and successful like let's do the successful classes this year and absolutely. hold off on the hard stuff for now if possible
1: absolutely you know and a, a way to think about that is you know so we have this like really robust body of stress research mm-hmm. this is, and this has actually been even before I was writing under pressure, like this was stuff I spent a lot of time looking at and writing about. And and one of the things we know is that stress is cumulative. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, so that means a couple things. Like, so we can't say, well, how stressful is COVID-19? Well, it depends on how stressed you were before COVID-19, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's all going to add up. And yeah. so then this, what you're doing and what you're talking about, right? And you, you know this is, You're like, okay, well, the stress for COVID-19 already has them here. Why would I add the most stressful program on top of that? Yep. the COVID-19 stress goes away, then the other stresses can be raised again. But we're not going to double down
0: on this. No. I mean, it's like that old cliche of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Like, I think as clinicians, we actually know what doesn't kill you might actually give you a raging anxiety disorder and make you less able to (laughs) weather the next storm. Yep, yep. Like, so. like or it's only true to a point. Yeah. <laughs> you can get past the point where it's yeah. just really
1: bad for you. Yeah. yeah it absolutely. might it
0: might leave you fractured and yes. unable to
1: cope. Yeah. So <laughs> let's let's not find out. Let's not yes, find out. Let's let's let's, let's make our best guess at what's a
0: fair and reasonable level of demand to put on you yes. and getting through the pandemic may be it. Yes, yeah. that is the truth. Yes. Let's lower our expectations and lower the bar. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. I would just really encourage any parents of teens to check out your books, Untangled and Under Pressure. They've been so helpful to my life, and I think that they are so relevant to what we're going through today, talking about stress and anxiety. So I really appreciate it. Where can people find you online?
1: So the best place to find everything I do is at com. so D-R-L-I-S-A-D-A-M-O-U-R.com. And that's got my books and it's got the columns I write for the New York
0: Times and it's got um,
1: all sorts of stuff there. So that's awesome. the best place.
0: Okay. Yeah. And we will link that up and um, put links to your books as well. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at @selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at SelfiePodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care.